podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to the Nina Kaza Show. Not only am I the best host ever, you get to marvel at my musical genius. Uh, there is no intro music now, so you've got to make the best with what you can. Welcome back. I hope you guys are all well. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Usually it is normally whilst the games are on, but I thought, you know what, let's kind of Get the dust off the Nina Kaza show and let's talk some Liverpool because I'm guessing you're missing my dulcet tones. And joining me on this podcast, because we've got a new home now, a new tenant, it is my partner in crime on the Euro Incision podcast. He's going to do most of the talking. He's a guy that needs no introduction. It's all Greek to me. It's all Greek to you. It is Themis Kasaris. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, you know what? That intro right there should be in the Hall of Fame of podcasts or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the music, the improv, your laugh, I mean, come on, come on, you got to love it. The great guest, you know, great intro, you know, yeah. I sh- you know, I should be a host of like um, the wrestling shows, you know, like when you introduce the wrestlers, I don't watch wrestling, but yeah. I guess it's really like gimmicky and really theatrical. That is yeah, my calling in life. <laughs> You're listening, Gags Tandon, I'm hot property now, you better be nice to me. Well, what I, I like to say in life generally, if you like something, you can do it. <laughs> the funny thing is I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, if you like something, if, if you're really into it, then you can do it somehow. I don't know how good you can be at it, but if you like something, you can do it. I actually believe in that as well. I think, you know, if, if, if you really do push yourself, you can do anything anything um, uh, that that you kind of desire just requires a lot of discipline anyway this is not a motivational podcast theme we leave all that for Jurgen Klopp Um, it's great to have you back Um, it is off season and we, you and I just spoke um, briefly before we got on the pod and like I kind of said on the show many a times on the Nina Castle show I need to kind of reset a little because like this season was absolutely not it was physically exhausting in terms of just watching all them games and mentally exhausting having to cover some of those games. But I just kind of needed to reset. And also with a lot of personal things going on in life as well, because all things happen. And obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, there was just yeah. so much going on altogether that you kind of, I felt a bit sick about football. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, Liverpool getting fourth, amazing. Finishing like that, amazing. Now I can have a little bit of an off season. I know that has not been the case on your side. I know you've been really, really busy. Um, so um, how have you kind of been like fitting the Liverpool news in into like keeping up to date with things and stuff? So, you know, I think the listeners like to know like what does a grafter like you, a proper, proper grafting journalist do to kind of manage the passion team and then the professional side of things? Well, <laughs> you have to ask my wife. <laughs> oh, bless her. <laughs> well, as you said, it was uh, we're living through difficult times mm-hmm. and uh, unprecedented uh, times for everybody uh, on the planet. But we still have our, uh, you know, our passion and uh, football and Liverpool and with whichever things uh, uh, keeps everybody uh, going. And it was, as you said. A silly season, and if it wasn't for that finale, I might have, uh, you know, taken some weeks and some months off uh, Liverpool, keeping, keeping, you know, uh, my team out of the picture and focusing on work and focusing on the, the Euros and uh, stuff like that, and say, okay, I'll get back 
to Liverpool um, July, August, something like that, when the first transfer came, <laughs> kicks in, something like that. But uh, we had a great finale. Uh, that's that's the way I I I I, I like to see it. And uh, it wasn't a golden sky at the end of the stone, but uh, it was it put a, a smile on our faces because. In all honesty, we didn't deserve that season. <laughs> we did nothing wrong. <laughs> all we yeah. did was win the league after 30 years. So we didn't deserve that punishment. <laughs> because you felt like football was punishing Liverpool some, for some reason. We were being punished week yeah. after week and month after month. And I, I found myself wondering, what we, did we do wrong? I mean, we didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> we won the league. We just won the league after 30 years. And... Nobody deserved that more than Liverpool. So we didn't steal it from anybody. It wasn't the last minute goal or something like that, or a wonder or something like that. We deserved it fair and square, and we won it. So what did we do wrong to get punished like that? But eventually we, we finished the season with a smile on our face. And I, since then I'm feeling that it was really, really important not just in terms of you know qualifying for the Champions League again, which is by itself uh, huge, everybody can understand that, but in terms of the psychology and the general feeling around the team and inside the team. I mean, finally those players left um, Melwood and... Uh, not Melwood, <laughs> and they went on for their vacations and the, whatever they needed to do. And, during the break, and some of them went to the international teams, of course, and they are in the Euros, but they left with some kind of feeling of satisfaction that it was worthwhile, that decision meant for, counted for something. And I, I, I think that it's really important uh, for the way they're going to get back to work and uh, meet Jürgen again and set up for the, for the new season. Absolutely. And you know what, that that bliss came at a price. You're absolutely spot on. You know, normally you, you take the rough with the smooth, but Liverpool got the smooth and then had to deal with a really, really bumpy season. But you're right. I think the fourth, getting fourth was just so vindicating, um, not only for the players, because obviously, you know, you have to kind of look at the kind of players that helped Liverpool get that, you know, the likes of like, Reese Williams and Nat Phillips had to be, you know, get called into action. And, you know, you can't take anything away from that. You know, like they might not be their best players, but in that little crucial, pivotal time, we needed that. Yeah. And, you know, and you have to like sort of tilt your hat at, at the, you know, because we, we, were, we were questioning their mentality. We were, you know, like, are you mentality monsters? And then like, it was such an inconsistent season, wasn't it, Themis? They'd win like two games and then they'd lose three or draw two and win one or, you know, like it was just, there wasn't a, a consistent run of good games. And then at the end, when it was required, they really, really pulled their act together. And I think, you know, that was the saving grace of the season that you'll kind of, you know, like the Alisson goal. I mean, what, I mean, that for me is just like destiny and fate right there. Like that yeah. guy wanted Champions League football, you know, like he produced a world-class save against Napoli a few seasons ago. Yes, the, the, yes. You know, he loves Champions League football and he's like, you know what, I've had enough of you lot of sponsoring chances. I'll do it by myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And uh, after the Newcastle game, the, that draw at home, Yeah. 
Yeah, I have to tell you, I have to be honest with you. I, I felt really sick yes. with, that res- with that result, mm-hmm. with the performance, because, okay, if you're going through uh, a rough patch, then you can understand. If you, ad- if you can understand football and you understand rough patches, you can understand that may- it's, even though it's frustrating and it's hard to take, Burnley can beat you at home and then Fulham can beat you at home because that's football. It happens. But when you play at your best and you miss chance after chance after chance for 90 minutes and then they equalize and VAR rules it out and then they manage to find another goal and that time time it counts. At that point, I said, okay, I'm sick of it. I mean, uh, we're not going to get fourth and you know what? Uh, Wake me up when August uh, starts. And I'll uh, watch the, the new season. I, I cannot be bothered again because it, that, that hurt. That hurt. And then amazingly, with help from others, uh, other games, uh, results, of course, but amazingly, they find, they find a way to get what they wanted, their last target, target of the season, to finish, to clinch uh, the fourth spot and to qualify for the Champions League. And the way that they did that, winning at Trafford, Mo Salah scoring and celebrating and letting out all, all, all this frustration in his face, in, in the way he celebrated that goal that sealed our away win uh, at Manchester. And then 90 minutes of losing chances again until Alisson went up and scoring the only winning goal in the Premier League history. And I, I'm pretty sure it will never be another winning goal by a goalkeeper because if your goalie goes up, you're losing. So the best uh, chance he has is to score the equalizer. <laughs> you don't send him up uh, with the score lever. And uh, that happened and he scored it and I was so happy. And I, I was at work, I have to be honest with you. And uh, I was lucky because there were not many people around. <laughs> because usually we have a pretty busy office and uh, mm-hmm. there are dozens of people uh, around it. But uh, there were... Uh, maybe five or six of them. So I was lucky that there were not many people around to witness my celebration of that, uh, of that goal and what, uh, what happened because I, I'm, I really destroyed the office in jubilation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you have to. I mean, you have to. I would have done it even if it was a, a Nat Phillips header or yeah. a, a Fabinho anyone, header. Anyone. Yeah, it's, anyone. It's a relief, but, isn't it? And yeah. Then- when yeah, you but, actually mentally think about, oh my God, our goalkeeper just scored the winning goal. Yeah, yeah, because when he, when the camera showed uh, Alisson coming up, and I, I immediately stood up from my chair, and I said, you know, the usual words, come on, come on, come on, and I and I watched that in wonderment, because it, it was a world class header. <laughs> Besides everything else, it was a world class header. The way he shifted his body mid there, I mean, come on. And uh, it was brilliant, brilliant. And the rain falling and the sun was up and it was, it was amazing. It was like a, a, a painting from the Renaissance or something like that. So it was all worth it at the end. And uh, I, I keep reminding myself, and I'm pretty sure that uh, people in Liverpool uh, always uh, talk and talk about that more often than I do, I keep reminding myself that Liverpool won the league 
and they, they still have not been uploaded for that by a full Anfield crowd. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. That city, those fans waiting 30 years to win the league, and when they finally do it, it's been one year now, because by that time last year we have already won it, and they still haven't not been uploaded by a full Anfield crowd. I mean, it's amazing to think about that. And when that happens, I don't know, August, September, I don't know what the plans of the government uh, in the UK are, but when that happens, that's where, that's when we're going to go again. That's the moment that we're going to say, okay, let's go again. When a full Anfield crowd stands up on their feet and upload the champions of 2020. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. I find myself thinking about that, you know, not every day, maybe just uh, once in a couple of days, that we haven't uploaded the champions yet. It's amazing to think that. It is absolutely amazing. And you're right. I mean, like, you know, the fans play a huge, huge role. Um, you know, I think it's, I think Jurgen Klopp's alluded to it. The players have alluded to it. I think the fans know themselves, you know, like just having fans at Anfield makes a huge difference. You know, players play up to, you know, the roar and the jeer and some players, you know, who, you know, who are a little bit like, I'm not going to say show off, but crowd pleasers, you know, a bit flamboyant like the likes of Roberto Firmino. Like, I felt like they really, really struggled with that whole concept as well of just having dead stadiums. Also, it was soulless in terms of watching it as well. The fake crowd noise, you know, you became very, very depressed to, to actually see physical people in the stadiums on like the last game of the season was was a breath of fresh air but you know what um theme is I want to put this behind us now because like yeah. you said it was a really horrible season it was really ugly and I was like I'm breathe we have Champions League football I can relax now two days later or three days later I, I don't think it was a week Liverpool announced the signing of Ibrahima Konate and I'm like can you just chill for a second but such smart business as sought after really really good defender that Liverpool have bagged here important given what happened to us this season and for me it kind of I mean and I'm kind of going on a timeline here in terms of how I felt it just went to show that Liverpool are a very very serious team in terms of getting you know the deals done early it felt like to me at that point Liverpool were going to get their business done very very early on in this in in the transfer window because the last thing you want to do is um you know being paid, you know, paying through the nose for players out of desperation and urgency. Yeah, it was, it was a sign of things to, to come. I'd like to mm. believe. Yeah. And uh, it was also, you know, what maybe they signed Konate uh, in August. It doesn't matter because he's still gonna be a Liverpool player. But the timing of the news, I felt that it was really important for the psychology of the whole group and mm. the the fans and everybody around uh, Liverpool FC. You, that, you know what? This season is done and dusted. And now we look on to the future and let's, uh, let's begin building or rebuilding. I don't know. But let's begin early on uh, with our uh, business. So let's have that uh, wrapped up and see what else we can do in the, in the transfer window. In terms of the psychology, I, I, I felt the timing was you know, really helpful for, uh, for everybody. And uh, it was a, it was a kind of a message. I, I felt that as well because we don't sign 22 year olds. We sign players on the verge of 24, 25, because 
that's when the scouting department feel that they have seen enough of the player to be absolutely sure about what they're getting. And uh, that's when the player really starts to grow and takes, takes, uh, he's, he's able to take his game to the, next, uh, to the next level. So his age at 22 gave me you know, the feeling that, okay, what happened now? Because we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that, but we can do it if, we, if we're thinking that this is the right move. And I'm feeling that Liverpool felt that we're not going to get that player at 24, 25, because he's going to be even more expensive mm -hmm. and even more hard to get. And uh, we're going to have to fight with bigger clubs for his signature. So let's wrap him up now that we have the chance. And let's you know, bypass the rule that we have, that we don't sign that uh, player of players of that age. We let them grow for a couple of seasons uh, more. And then we uh, were sure about what we're getting and uh, we're getting them. But they felt that he's going to be uh, a target for bigger clubs. That, that's what I, I, I'd, li I'd like to think that uh, mm. happened. Because we didn't fight with anybody uh, to get more Salah. Uh, nobody wanted to sign Mo Salah. And we didn't fight with anybody for uh, Bobby. And uh, we didn't fight for anybody for, uh, with, for Sadio. And uh, so we were confident of what we were getting. And uh, that was it. But with Konate being a French international, being, being uh, 22 years of age, and his uh, side partner, Rupa Makano, uh, signing for Bayern Munich, mm. you felt that, you know what? Maybe Paris Saint-Germain would like to get that guy in a couple of seasons. Mm. Because he's French, he's brilliant, he's 22, he has the potential, he has everything around him. He, he's coming from, uh, from Leipzig, who are now famous for producing uh, world-class uh, mm -hmm. talents. So maybe Paris Saint-Germain will come in and maybe Real Madrid are looking for a defender to play alongside Varane or to cover the position that it's been left uh, vacant since Ramos is leaving. And if, if, we, get to, if we, Liverpool, get in, into that kind of a war, a battle, we're not going to win. We know that we're not going to win <laughs> because uh, we have uh, some limitations or, uh, on our budget, on our salary and all that stuff. So I felt that they, they thought, get him now that we can. And maybe he's a, a bit raw right now, but uh, he's going to worth uh, the wait. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. And the thing that I like about his age and his profile as well is, um, obviously, um, we don't know what's happening with Quebec yet. You know, um, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? You know, like, I, it looks like he will be going. I would like to see Liverpool kind of keep him on. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think it, it would make sense. What I liked about the Canati signing, above everything that you mentioned there, for me, it's the age thing. For me, it's a nice, smooth tr um, uh, blend mm -hmm. and transition for him to play alongside Virgil van Dijk. And also, he's obviously at a much younger scale, so it's one for the future. It's yeah. not a case of... Uh, I have centre-backs, I mean, and also Liverpool, the, the other, I mean, I know Virgil van Dijk got the injury this season, but also the partners of Virgil van Dijk are injury-prone. It is yeah. what it is. 
but what it says to me is this one's for the future we're thinking ahead we're planning ahead we're not trying to like overuse certain players and then like oh now they'll come to the end of the career or oh, damn we don't have a center back or something you know i i feel like there's 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 a thought for the future and i like that and that's why i want come back to stay as well because i he had some ropey moments but the whole team did but he had some great moments and you know for somebody that young i think you're investing in your future so you know that's how i'm thinking about it as well i'm i'm thinking about i don't want to be stagnant I don't want to be like an AC Milan team where you have these great players and you use them till they are absolutely all broken together yeah. a similar age and then you have a rebuild and it takes you 12 years which is what has pretty much happened with AC Milan absolutely absolutely you know? this, is, this is what happened this is this is what happened and uh, you are exactly right about that well I always felt that uh, the partnership that I would like to see for many years to come with uh, Virgin playing a lot alongside Joe Gomez. But Joe is yes. so unfortunate with his uh, injuries because they are not muscular injuries like uh, Matip. You know, Matip is like sometimes he, you think he's, he's made of glass or something like that. He, they're not muscular injuries. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's unlucky. Maybe. This is the last time and he won't be injured again for the next three or four seasons, hopefully. But it makes sense to bring Konate in. And I have to agree with you. I'd like to see Kabak playing in a proper Liverpool side with a proper structure and proper defense Mm. and everything uh, around him uh, being set up the way it's supposed to be. Uh, Because, I mean, come on, at such young age coming in mid-season, not even having a pre-season with a team, from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, in a team that has to win every game, but they are struggling in every department. We have to be honest here. I mean, in terms of finishing, creating, I mean, we have all kinds of problems. And then I saw, you know, people putting the finger on and saying, you know, you have to cover better than that, and you are at fault at uh, this goal or something like that. I mean, come on, give the guys some some slack, cut the guns of slack. I mean, he was playing Leicester City, not an easy game. Yeah, yeah, okay. It was horrible. I know that. We all know that. No, no, I'm talking about the people that are criticizing him, not you. I think you're very fair and balanced in what you've said there. You know, he's had some, and we expected that from his age and his profile that he is going to, he's going to do some great things and he's going to make some mistakes. That's a given. You know, he's coming to a new team. Uh, we kind of ignore the fact that, you know, it's, you know, the, 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 the change in terms of having to come to a new team and to adapt. And not even like the first team, like you've said, you know, there was a lot going on for him and his yeah. age as well. And, you know, playing a team like Leicester, that was like literally the baptism of fire. And I, and then when, when you see him against a team like, like um, when we played Leipzig in the Champions League, he looked in his element because he's played against that team. Yeah, he was, abs- he was great. He was solid. Not put a foot wrong. But you know what? I'm thinking that maybe we're playing hardball here. And maybe since uh, Salke were relegated, mm. maybe we're playing hardball here, not, not willing to pay the whole amount that we agreed after the first loan option. Maybe, maybe that's the case. And uh, if it was the fee that we had to pay was uh, higher and a bigger number, I would say, okay, maybe it's not the right way to go. Maybe it's too much. 
because we don't have an unlimited budget like our rivals have. And maybe we're not able to pay in the same transfer window for Kanate and then get Kabak as well. Okay. But I'm feeling that his transfer fee is quite low. I mean, okay, let's say that we buy him and keep him for good. And after one or two, after a couple of seasons, it turns out that he's not at the level that we thought he would be, and uh, we have to find somebody else. I'm not feeling that we're going to have a loss in the transfer window. I'm not feeling that he will go for less than we bought him. So, even in terms of just the financial uh, side of the... I'm thinking that, you know what, it's it's 18 million, 20 million pounds that we have to pay to get him. We're not going to sell him for less to any club in Europe. We're mm. not going to have a loss on him. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So even if he's, he doesn't turn out to be the player that we all hope he would be, I don't know. I'm not feeling that we're going to have a loss on him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, as most Liverpool fans do, we get up in the morning and we stalk James Pearce's timeline. <laughs> <laughs> because what else is there to do? He likes to debunk transfer stories, but you know, he tweeted something two hours ago LFC prepared to sell, and obviously, there's an article in The Athletic. Um, LFC prepared to sell Nat Phillips this summer, but they want 15 million for him. Burnley, one of the number of Premier League clubs who have been mm-hmm. who have mm-hmm. registered interest. I mean, I think it is it was great for Nat Phillips personally, you know, to get that little bit of shop window display time, you know, displaying what he can do, and you know, a pretty much a no nonsense kind of defender just heads everything that comes his way. But maybe this is a kind of move that. Because we know um, FSG, you know, like as a whole, we kind of sell to buy or you know yeah. that that's how we are we kind of kind of balance the books it's like a it's like measuring things so i'm thinking maybe they're trying to get the funds that way if, yeah you know it, it's 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 a possibility because if they are letting nat phillips go it means that they'll need another defender because mm-hmm. like you've said gomez we're hoping the injuries are behind him but matip now i think we love him we love that Twitter account dedicated to out of context and the John. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. I mean, come on, I mean, yeah. come, come on. It's, it's great. Yeah, but we we kind of need a defender, so I'm thinking maybe that's that's a thought process. I know we have um, Davies as well, but I'm thinking maybe they're trying to get Phillips to move on. And to be honest, Phillips did a great job, but his profile would suit more of a Burnley kind of team in terms of how he defends. And the kind of player that he is, and maybe it's to kind of facilitate a move for maybe it might not even be Kabak, it, it might be Edwards is looking at another centre back. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it makes sense. It makes sense because uh, Nat Phillips is a cult hero now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But you have to be realistic and you have to make a choice. And I think Liverpool, what they're doing now is seeing that. He took the opportunity in the best way he could. He helped uh, us immensely. But goal as well for us, didn't he? He actually yeah, scored. Yeah, yeah. I thought of you, but I was like, you know what? I keep harassing him. I'm just going to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he got his moment. He scored that goal in the, in the far post and uh, I was so happy about him. But Liverpool, I'm thinking uh, smartly in this situation and saying, okay, he took his chance in the best way he could, but 
we have to be honest here, we will never be sure that he's at the level we need our centre-backs to be. So maybe we could use uh, the way he played and the way he performed in order, in order to generate some value in the market that we never had the opportunity to do. Because uh, last season, <laughs> 12 months ago, uh, in June, we would never have thought to ask for, 14, for a 15 million pounds for Nat Phillips. Not a chance. There will, there will never be a team to pay that kind of money. But right now, they've seen him play, they've seen his uh, area ability, his uh, passion, his dedication, and everything ab uh, about him. I mean, he, may, he even managed to, to get an assist in a little traffic. I mean, come on. <laughs> the guy is a world beater. So we're saying, okay, you'd li you, you like what you saw? We, we like what we saw too. We, we're thinking about keeping him for the first team. I don't know. I don't know. What's your offer? What do you got? And we're saying, maybe we can get 15 million uh, pounds for him. And if we do that, then Kabak is for free. <laughs> In a way. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it is. It, I call this time of year silly season a theme is because literally you're linked to everyone and everything and, you know, you, you're trying to get things sorted. And I think you and I are on this podcast to kind of just kind of talk about some things. I mean, in general, before we talk about some other news, Emma, and we'll, we'll be brief because I know you're a very, very busy person. He's very busy people. So, you know, be honoured that he's on the show and you're listening to him, <laughs> you know? Um, but as a whole, what um, I, I'm intrigued because obviously you're a journalist. You, this is like, you've got a fine stories. You've got, a, you, know, um, you, you know, the transfer window is of great interest and significance. Where do you stand on the transfer window in terms of, because for me, I get really, really frustrated. Um, less so now, more so when Ian Eyre was in charge and when it was the likes of Brendan Rodgers and, you know, those kind of, you know, that era, because we were linked to everyone. Yeah. We were linked to the world and, the, and his wife and we used to leave the transfer window with a wooden spoon. You know, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> I, I still think Ian Air is somewhere trying to complete the Konoplyanka deal somewhere. You know, like, yeah, it, yeah. it was just so and we frustrating. And Stephen Zeller to talk to Cross or something like that. Yeah, like, text, oh. like we were so amateurish. And, you yeah. know, one, one of my favourite transfer stories, and it came at such a sad time, and it was a Fabinho one right after the Champions League loss. Yes, of No course. one sniffed it. And to me, that was such an old school way of doing things. Like, you don't hear anything and it's done and I love that I mean a nightmare for journalists and you know but I mean like what do you make of the transfer window because for me I get really really excited and then I'm completely completely deflated so I'm I have like a neutral approach to it now even as great as like this Liverpool team is right now with this manager I just kind of like step back and I think I ain't getting excited till he's holding that shirt yeah you know what yeah I couldn't agree more with what you said. I, I have to buy you a drink when we meet, just for saying all that stuff you said. Because fans tend to think that you know the transfer window is great for journalists. What you do, you spread rumors, and you're linking everybody to any club, and you just wait to see what happens. I don't like the transfer window. <laughs> I don't like it for all, all, all those uh, things you, you said. I don't like rumors. I don't like getting my hopes up. I like Fabinho deals. From rumors, rumors to sources, to done deal, 
in three hours. That's, that was the kind of uh, transfer that get me uh, running and going for uh, weeks because I was so excited about the way we did our business and the player, of course, that we got in our, in our hands. So I don't like rumors. I, I like the breaking story of Stuart Spears, and that's that. <laughs> I like to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't, I would never want to get back to the time that we used uh, Gerard to speak to Cross, or we were fighting for Joao Teixeira, that Brazilian that used to play in Shakhtar Donetsk. And ended up in China, right? Yeah, that's yeah. First that, season, I remember yeah, that one. I was like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, that guy in Konyoplanka. And you know what? Simao eventually did play for Liverpool <laughs> because. He was linked in, in window after window, so I got the feeling that he eventually played for for uh, for Liverpool or Arda Turan, yeah. uh, the Turkish guy, and yeah. all those guys that were linked to us to in the past. And that Diego Costa saga for a couple of days, it was only a move for, uh, from his manager in order to get his transfer to to Atletico Madrid. So I love the way we're conduct, conducting things in the past uh, four or five years and uh, I like to be surprised and uh, I don't I don't want to see Liverpool being heavily involved and chasing name after name and all that stuff in I know it sells I know it's uh, it's better for the journalists and for sites and for podcasts maybe yeah I get that part but as a fan uh, I don't like it I like to be surprised and see a breaking news coming up on the lock screen of my iPhone and I pick it up and it says Liverpool are uh, um, signing that guy right now mm. or tomorrow or uh, in a couple of days and it's done and deal and all the, th- and they, the, deal, the deal details are out in the open and we get him and uh, then I can uh, look into the guy that we're getting. I don't like to look into guys, maybe because I, you know, I read the, the name somewhere or stuff like that. I will say that at work, actually, for the Greek clubs. You know, they're saying that, you know, Olympiakos is interested in that guy. Maybe we should do a profile. And I said, okay, if he signs, we'll do everything about him. I'm not going to do a profile for every guy that it's been leaked to every Greek club. I mean, come on, we have stuff to do, we have work to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's not uh, do uh, stuff about people that uh, are basically just rumors or something like that. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's kind of talk about some stuff now. Um, you know, an absolute beauty of a player left on the free. And, you know, it was really sad. Ginny Wijnaldum, you know, legend. Um, uh, you know, I think Simon Brundeshaw says, you know, um, availability is the most underrated, um, uh, you know, thing in football. And you called it on the Euroincision podcast that Dirk Cout left some um, uh, eternal juice or you know <laughs> some 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 drink, and it's in the secret locker, and only Ginny Ronaldo had access to it. You know, um, such an underrated thing, but such a hardworking grafting player. And you know what? I think we're really gonna miss him um, now that he's no longer part of the Liverpool team I wish I mean he's doing incredible for Netherlands by the way I have the biggest smile on my face seeing him like yeah, just flourish yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and I wish him all the best at Paris Saint-Germain which is really hard for me to say because I really don't like Paris Saint-Germain but I really want me, him to do well me neither me neither yeah. but there, 
<laughs> but they're gathering guys now that I respect and like. I mean, yes. I, I respect Pochettino. I, I love the way he works and he conduct, conducts himself as a football manager. Uh, I like to see him succeed and win titles at some point. So Jose Mourinho cannot make uh, fun of him and mock him for not winning anything yet in his career. And uh, I respect Pochettino and now the Gazzini. So there you go. <laughs> football, yeah. has a, football has uh, its own plans to surprise absolutely. you. Absolutely. But Themis, I think you will absolutely agree that that is a player we need to replace. And there's two names that constantly dance around on social media. I know we don't like rumours, but there's two players. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Niehaus yeah. from Gladbach and, of course, um, uh, Tillmans from uh, Leicester. Those two are the, the predominant names that are being thrown around. Um, I think they're both, you know, names that are suitable. I see a lot of people who are more well-versed uh, to speak about these players and get very, very excited about both of these two. But it's definitely that kind of player that we need. One thing is for sh- certain, we can't think, oh, we can we cannot replace Ginny Wijnaldum because that would be absolutely insane given the fact that Liverpool, have you not learnt your lessons from previous season? Well, maybe both uh, the things you said are true. Maybe we cannot replace Dini Vinaldo, but at the same time, we have to get a midfielder. Yeah. Maybe a midfielder that does things a little bit differently. Maybe a midfielder that will be uh, transformed in the, mid- in the type of player that Jurgen needs in his midfield. Because I always remind myself what Zini was before he put on the Liverpool shirt. He was an attacking midfielder. Sometimes he played as a winger as a white playmaker and stuff like that. And Michael Edwards and Jürgen saw uh, what the player, the kind of player that he was, and they used his abilities to transform him into a completely different type of midfielder. So I always remind myself, it's not, it's not just the player we're getting, it's the player that we're going to uh, produce. And finally put on the field and he was an attacking midfielder and he became uh, the core of our team in terms of you have two jobs to win the ball and to never lose position and he was tremendous in doing both of of those teams and I found myself feeling really sick when I saw people on Twitter talking about his uh, goals and he's assist, and he's not scoring, and he's not assisting, so let's nickname him the Ghost, and stuff like that. But he was doing what he was asked to do by his manager. Win the ball, never lose the ball. It's easy to say, it's very hard to do. Very, very, very hard to do. To win the ball, pressuring, and to covering the ground, and to always be present, and then never to lose the ball, and let it circulate around the pitch, and let other guys make the decisions inside or just outside the penalty box in order for us to score a goal. And that was Gini for all those seasons, and he was absolutely brilliant. So I'm very intrigued to see the kind of player that we're going to get, because I have to agree with you, we're going to have to buy a midfielder. But I, I find myself very intrigued in order to, to see what kind of player we're going to get and more especially how we're going to use that player. What is the role that we have in mind for him? 
Mm. Maybe we're switching to 4-2-3-1. So Fabinho and Jordan are playing and Thiago Alcantara a little bit higher on the pitch. No, maybe we're using Thiago a little lower on the pitch and we need a guy to play in a more, in a more advanced role because I saw that guy, that guy uh, I'm going to call him Newhouse. He's going to be a new house. Is that okay with you? Yeah, new house. <laughs> new house. And he has the same uh, pressuring metrics with Gini. They are similar, quite similar with, uh, with Gini. But he's, I don't know if you've seen videos of him, because I saw some metrics and he has, he has the, less, the less sprints in a game for a midfielder in the whole Bundesliga. And I saw that and I said, we're actually interested in a player that doesn't run. I mean, I was sure, but I know nothing. <laughs> uh, Michael Weathers and the, his guys know a lot more than I do. But I was intrigued by that because it, it struck me by surprise. I said, I mean, his numbers are really, really, really low in terms, in terms of his intensity as a runner as a sprinter. So we already have Pabinho, who we all know that uh, he's not the most mobile, you know, midfielder in, uh, in our team, especially if, he, if he's coming back from an injury or something like that. So we're going an, to an add another body like that in our midfield. This is what we're going to do. Because I heard some concerns about uh, Thiago mobilities as well during the season. I found them unfair, to be honest with you, yeah. because, uh, because, you know, it wasn't easy for him too, coming from that injury uh, back into the, into the team and uh, a team that uh, struggled in every area of the pitch. I found that uh, unfair too, but there are some questions about his mobility as well. So, are we going to have Jordan Henderson as the only runner in the pitch? That's not going to work. I'm thinking. And I find the Tillemann story quite interesting, but uh, it's not easy to buy from Leicester. And nope. it's, not, it's not cheap to buy from Leicester. And uh, it's always expensive to buy from the Premier League unless of we're course. buying. Yeah. And we should ask Southampton about that and how they feel. And uh, he's a very interesting guy because I know him since he was a teenager going to school. Because he was the wonder kid of uh, Anderlecht in uh, Belgium. He played for the first team since he was uh, 16, 17. And I've watched him at that age playing versus Olympiacos in the Champions League uh, game. And I'm, everybody was talking about that fact and that player. Because you don't find 16-year-olds 16 playing in the Champions League regularly for the team. I mean, and he's left an impression on you because you remember it and you're talking about it. Yeah, it was, everybody talked about it because mm. it was not a, dis, a disaster, an, an injury crisis that brought him to the first team playing in the Champions League. No, it was, it was regular business for, uh, for Anderlecht at that time that we have that wonder kid and we play him week in, week out at, and he's 16 and then 17 and then... At the age of eight, 18, he's the captain of the team. And everybody in Belgium uh, knows him. And he's a part of the golden generation of uh, our country. And so he made a name for himself uh, for a, 
pretty young age, and everybody, you know, saying that you know what happens with uh, Wonder Kids, that he's going to play for Real Madrid and Barcelona and all and stuff like that. And uh, we're now old enough to know that uh, they never end up in those kinds, uh, kind of uh, clubs. Wonder Kids never have that, that uh, career, uh, with the ex- exception of Messi, of course, <laughs> which uh, is the Wonder Kid. Uh, but Tillemans managed to make a decent, a very decent career because he didn't disappear. He's not playing for a, a club in Turkey or in club in Greece or something like that. He's playing in the Premier League and he's very crucial for the for uh, the way Leicester are set up. And he has uh, he had that his golden uh, moment, scoring that goal in the FA Cup final. Mm. So after all, maybe he didn't reach the heights that uh, everybody thought of him at the age of 16, but uh, he's a proper footballer. He's a, an elite footballer in the Premier League. So it makes sense for Liverpool to, to, look, at, to look at him. I understand uh, what they're looking for and understand the things that they see in Tillemans. But I'm thinking that it's not easy to, to have a transfer like that, uh, especially from Leicester, who consider themselves and they have every right to do so, a top six club. Even no one, no one thinks of them as a top six club, but they are right there, and Tottenham are not in the in the past couple of seasons. So it's not easy to buy from uh, Leicester. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the inflation of Premier League players. I mean, if, if I mean. We're talking about Premier League inflated prices, right? Um, the the latest story that everyone's having a meltdown about John McGinn from Aston Villa. I, I saw something on um, uh, James Pierce's um, timeline. Yeah. Fifty million? I don't think so. I'm sorry, not a chance. Not a chance. I saw that story and I laughed, and he, he debunked it as well, saying that yeah, Liverpool like him, but not happening. But it sent fans into meltdown. I mean, to me, that is the kind of transfer that we would make with, you know, maybe the likes of a Brendan Rodgers. Like, to me, that one doesn't, like, I can't see that one. Like, to me, that is just batshit and crazy. Um, <laughs> more than the, what you said. <laughs> more than batshit and crazy. I mean, come on. Okay, no, not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, let's not waste uh, our, our breath talking about that. I mean... What are we talking about? Yeah, he debunked it straight away. He was like, it's unrealistic. 50 million. 50 million. Yeah, 50 million pesos. (laughs) (laughs) 50 million drachmas are all uh, a lot currency before before Euro. Monopoly money, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, not even Monopoly money. I mean, it's not worth it. No, not even Monopoly money. Because 50 million uh, pounds, 50 million in monopoly money, it has to to cut for something to print all that kind of paper. I mean, come on, come on. What are, what are we talking about? Mm. I mean, and in in the, in the pandemic football as well. I mean, the prices are not the way it, they were before the before the pandemic, with all the financial problems in every cl- club in the world, bar uh, three clubs. The only clubs in the world with uh, no financial issues right now are the clubs of the Sugar Daddies. Mm-hmm. City, Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain. The only clubs you s- goes uh, 
you see they go around spending money yeah. that uh, nothing happened. Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say they look so unbothered about what's going on. They literally are conducting business as usual. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the billionaires in in Mykonos. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's like it's like a different uh, it's like a different place. Like we, we always said in Greece during those ten years and more of uh, our financial crisis, yeah. mm -hmm. that we have Greece and then we have Mykonos, which is a different part of Greece. That uh, they have a different weather, <laughs> a different climate, a different financial uh, situation, and uh, you go there and you're thinking there's nothing wrong with this country. Everybody's rich. Yeah, only that part of the country, no, only in that small uh, island. So in the country, in the the world of football right now, we have the three clubs of the Sugar Daddies that they, they go on about their business like uh, nothing has happened. And uh, in that financial climate right now in football, 50 million pounds for McGinn, I mean, come on. You get uh, Timo Werner or Kai, Kai Hubbard for that kind of money. You get the brilliant Bundesliga uh, talent for that kind of money. You get Ibrahim Konate for that kind of money. And we're going to pay them from again? I mean, come on. Okay, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we should call King Kenny and have his say about his fellow Scottish player. I mean, come on. Not a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I mean, I saw that one. I laughed and I was like, thank you, James, for, you know, completely just busting that one because that is just crazy and not, not the caliber that you expect for a team that you would expect to be challenging for the title again next season, you know, where, you know, where Liverpool's aims and ambitions are that transfer and that player and that profile just does not suit at all and you know i i think you've completely hit the nail on the head themis i know you're a busy guy i know we've come to um uh, we've pretty much come to the end of the show um before i let you go um have you got anything you want to get off the chest off your chest off the chest off your chest well i have to i have one thing to say uh, i need more pictures from uh, Jurgen Klopp's vacations that's I the love the fact. I love the fact that he really lets himself go. Yeah, I, you know, I, I need more content from that. I need more content. I want to see him uh, drunk or uh, with sunburns and uh, stuff like that. I, I give the him umbrella more... hat. That was yeah, yeah, hat. yeah. I mean, come on, come on. The guy knows how to relax his mind and his body and spend time with his family and his friends without embarrassing himself as some rich people uh, do at uh, some point of uh, of their lives he's living the life he deserves and i give me more content i mean come on i mean i we used to have content with arsene Berger playing football at the beach remember that Where yes. he was yeah but that was hilarious that was great that was great that was one of the best pictures in football ever uh, arsene Berger lying on the on the on the sand with his uh, bathing suit and shorts playing football. I mean, give me more content of the, this guy's uh, vacations, please. I mean, come on. Something like that. Not paparazzi moments. I'm not saying uh, something like that. Just, you know, easygoing, relaxing moments of uh, him. I mean, remember that, um, that picture of uh, Alison riding horses? That was yes. amazing. Oh, that my God. That, can I be honest with you? That looked like a shot from like GQ or something. You know, like when, and there's one where he's wearing a poncho or something. He looks so editorial. I was like, you know what? People might laugh at this look, but you look really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. We, we, I, I should have my wife DM you. You have a lot to talk about. <laughs> she agrees. See, she great woman. See, she has nicknames for all our players. Yeah, she's a legend on the Eurovision she podcast. A, she, she, she has a huge crush on Alison. I think everyone does. I think uh, everyone. And that picture, that picture with the hat and the horse. Yeah. I mean, he had saved her on uh, her iPhone and kept looking at it for days and days and weeks and weeks. Did you get threatened? Did you get jealousy, Miss? Yeah. Okay. It's, he's a Liverpool Okay. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're thinking. Yeah. You got good taste. Yeah. 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 You know what? He. He. Alison and Virgil have a free pass. They do. And you know what? I think them two are just like. I think even like men just look at them and think, "Oh my God, you're such fine specimens." Um. But I'm not here to objectify our players. They're just very handsome players. Just putting it out there. Right. Anyway, let's move on before I get myself into a spot of bother. Uh. Themis, uh, before we quickly close the pod, it looks like the likes of Shakiri and such players and Origi and, you know, uh, Nico Williams might be on their way out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I tweeted during the Switzerland game that after Shakiri scored the, 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 his first goal, mm. I, I tweeted in Greek, of course, and I said, come on, come on, good boy, another one. We need another one. and <laughs> Ring up that price. Yeah, you're going to attract just the amount of interest that we need. Because if he was healthy, if he was healthy and uh, didn't have all these injury issues for the past couple of seasons, uh, I would like him to stay, to be honest yes, with you. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because uh, he never complains. He's a hard worker and he has that end product about him. I mean, you bring him on and you say, you know what? One moment. That's all he's gonna take. He's gonna create something for us. And even even in this season, this horrible season, we won two games because of him. Mm-hmm. Because we won two games because of his through ball and yeah. his action uh, right outside uh, the penalty box. And I always value that. And I always disagree with people who disrespect that and you know saying that he's not good enough and stuff like that. Blah blah blah. Okay, I know that, but he has that ability, and I like I, I like. Uh, that about him, but with those all these injuries problems and the financial situation right now, and the money we need to collect from players going out in order to get players in, uh, I need another goal from him, and uh, off he goes. And I know my wife is gonna miss him because uh, he makes her laugh a lot. Yes, a lot in the way he plays and the gestures and the facial expressions of his. He, she finds them uh, hilarious, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna get good money from uh, all of them in order to to reinforce again uh, this summer. He is hoping, right, guys? That is the Nina Kaza show. I should let listeners know that you know Themis. So was like, oh, what's the agenda gonna be today? You know, what are we gonna talk about? Because I'm a bit rusty. I've not done one of your shows, and I said it's gonna be really cool and relaxed. But little does he know now that um, I I should have actually said to you that I want the um I want the blood groups of all our players uh, to see if you're the top red or not. You know, to really really make you squirm. Uh, I think that would have been quite funny. You know, giving you a really really hard task to kind of figure everything out. But no, it's an easygoing pod. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you, Themis, as usual. Um, 
guys um thank you so much for listening um i'm gonna try and doing this a regular thing now um obviously we'll have a famous on way more as well and more importantly about liverpool making champions league football my biggest relief was i get euro in season podcast again i was, not gonna <laughs> before, I was like i get to i get to co-host with my my new friend on the podcast that was the biggest relief for me um famous before i let you go I know it's all Greek to everyone, but where can people find you on Twitter? Well, before I answer to that, I have to to give my Oscar acceptance speech. That's what they do when they win an Oscar. They thank everybody that helped them uh, yeah. get there, right? So I should thank Nina Kauser for all these uh, shows and pods we did this season because I just did a pod for The Athletic covering... Amazing covering the Euro 2004 triumph of uh, Greece, winning the Euros uh, 17 years ago. So I always felt that it was uh, it was you that helped me improve my English <laughs> and improve uh, me talking in football in, uh, in English and in all those sports with you. So I have to thank you for that accomplishment of, me, of mine. <laughs> I have to... I'm laughing the fact that I've improved your English on this podcast. Everyone that's listening is probably laughing their heads off right now. But no, I heard you on a podcast. Uh, you were with Dave Hendrick about you know, um, uh, Timmy Cass, and I was like, this guy's good. You know, obviously, you, you know, like this, this is the content. Like I've not heard in depth stuff about this guy. Like you know. Obviously, Greek player, you know, like you, you were the specialist, and then like obviously got, you know, you were just speaking about Liverpool just in general, and you just knew so much just about football as a whole, and the fact that you know you have like this love for like Champions League football, and you've had more finals than I've had hot dinners. I was like, this is <laughs> this is the person I'm working with. This is the person I have to work with on the podcast. But like I said, it is an absolute honor. I'm going to be working with you a lot more. I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Nina Kaza show. We're going to be back again. But till next time, take care and up the reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.